Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Are you watching? Have you watched any of the uh, Smart List show yet? I haven't. My wife was started watching it, and I was like, "Oh, let me know how it is." And she said the first episode wasn't that good, so I haven't bothered yet. Uh, I, I'm enjoying it, but I, I, I'm I'm a deep apologist for anything you know Bateman Arnett related. So right. uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm enjoying that. it. I'm, I just I'm, walked into the room for one second, and uh, Sean Hayes was on the screen, and I was right, like, right. "Oh my god, he looks so old." I was he not does. prepared for him to look as old as he looks. No, I, honestly, I think Arnett and Bateman would be better served having me as the third guy. <laughs> I don't disagree with you, but uh, I there is a there's a, Sean Hayes stinks on the show, no question about it. But the dynamic of right. having a whipping boy kind of works for the show. Yeah, no, I'd have no problem with Bateman or Arnett whipping me <laughs> verbally. You mean? Sure, gamble on, fellas, gamble on. <laughs> Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst, Jeff Edelstein. This week on the show, Jeff will fight through the tears he's crying over succession coming to an end. We'll cover the arrest of an 18-year-old hacker who stole sportsbook funds. We'll talk about what could prove to be the biggest story of the year in sports betting, although we have almost no details at this point. And we'll pray for the runner-runner of Celtics in Game 5 and Heat in Game 6 to turn around our bankroll fortunes. Hey, we're also going to be welcoming uh, Roto-Grinders head of motorsports, Stephen Young. You know him by his Twitter handle, StevieTPFL. Uh, he's coming to the podcast. Uh, it's a huge auto racing weekend this weekend. we got the Indianapolis 500, the Coca-Cola 600, the Des Moines 700. <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm being told Eric's, Eric's laughter is indicating me that that's yes. not right. Hold Pretty on. sure that's no, not a thing. Monaco Grand Prix F1. Okay. All right, a lot of auto racing to cover. Stephen Young is going to be on our on the show to let us know all about it. But before we get to that, Eric, as always, plenty of news to discuss. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
We kick things off this week with a major new development in a major story we discussed on the podcast about six months ago. Listeners may recall the sportsbook hacking scandal, which saw someone gain access to people's online sports betting passwords and withdraw money from their accounts at several major sites, most extensively DraftKings. A reported 1,600 accounts were hacked, and a total of about $600,000 was taken. On Thursday, prosecutors announced an arrest in the case. 18-year-old Joseph Garrison of Madison, Wisconsin, was charged with six counts, including wire fraud, aggravated identity theft, and more. Our colleague Matt Rybaltowski went through the entire indictment and wrote a thorough accounting for Sports Handle, detailing how the hack was pulled off and how Garrison got caught with an undercover agent involved. If convicted, several of the counts hold maximum sentences of up to five years in prison, while two of the counts hold sentences of up to 20 years in prison. Assuming Garrison is guilty and is found guilty, how important, Jeff, is this arrest for the industry in terms of preventing future attacks like this? And do you get the sense this has served as an adequate wake-up call for the people on the tech side in online gambling? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this this what he was doing was something called credential stuffing attacks, which I know nothing about. Uh, and the little that I've read up on it, it seems like it could have happened to like any site that's holding on to your cash, right? Mm-hmm. Where you know, so I, I don't think this was a sports betting or you know sports gambling uh, specific thing. It just you know he was able to do it to, to DraftKings. So the idea of that this could happen anywhere, I guess, is a little bit scary. Um, I assume that the tech side of the industry is sitting up and taking notice. Uh, You know, I mean, as I learned in the 1995 film Hackers, (laughs) you know, I never actually saw that movie, so I I, I shouldn't quote it. No, but I would assume that, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, this is like well beyond the scope of my expertise. I I, I guess if this was a, a movie, though, this kid, you know, he's 18 year old kid doing this stuff. I assume the CIA is already talking to him. They're giving him a job like to hack into China or something. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That is usually how it goes in the movies. Yeah. But I mean, why not? Right. I mean, the kid seems like some kind of like, you know, tech genius. So let's 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 put him to work. (laughs) Okay. Wait, so I'm now I'm confused which one is hackers. I, I'm thinking I think I'm thinking of sneakers with Robert Redford, which was sneakers about with hacking. Redford. Right, it, no, right. hackers is with uh, Angelina Jolie and uh, mm. I want to say Johnny Miller, Johnny Lee Miller, something like that. Oh yeah, wasn't she married to Johnny Lee Miller at one I point? I think I think maybe. maybe they met on the set of Hackers. Let, let's just say they did. Well, why, why not? Why fact yeah. check ourselves? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I mean, this is. I, it seems like this could have happened to any type of site that handles your money. Really, is a, I think, but I I, I don't know. Yeah, you so, get a job with the CIA. That's all. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. We're just jumping straight to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in terms of uh, you know the the impact of this, pretty soon after this all went down, long before the arrest, most states and most sites began re- requiring two factor authentication. I guess that's probably the lasting minor legacy of this incident. Um, you know, if that's all it is, I have to figure that's not going to be enough to prevent anything like this from ever happening again. But, you know, hopefully this sort of thing becomes more rare uh, and and increasingly minor and, and gets detected quickly before much money is taken the next someone time someone tries it. Um, I think, you know, in terms of a, a deterrent, it's important how much jail time he gets uh, and that he doesn't end up getting rewarded with, with a CIA job. Um but, uh, you know, if he gets like, let's say he gets two years, eh. even though that seems to me like a perfectly fair punishment for what he did, I don't think it scares would-be hackers off. He gets 20 years uh, and it gets publicized enough. I think that does scare people off, although it also feels a bit much to me for cyber theft. Uh, and especially as he's an 18-year-old kid, 
I would expect some degree of leniency. Um, there, there were even some intercepted communications where Garrison was telling a co-conspirator that, quote, fraud is fun. I think they can make a decent defense that this was a kid fooling around and not like a serious attempt to steal people's money. Um, so, oh, and I, I think it was yeah. a serious attempt to steal people's money, but I also think, you know, you're, I, I don't know, you're 18. I mean, I, we both have son. I got a son who's 14 years old. Right. Uh, if that frontal lobe has got a long way to go. <laughs> it does. Uh, we should note though that, uh, and Matt put this in his article that Garrison is also facing charges in Wisconsin of calling in bomb threats and making terrorist threats to schools. Uh, that I don't like. Right. Yeah. So we could be looking at a legit troubled and dangerous person here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm tempted to go to go dark and like set a line on the length of the sentence or something. But um, as you said, he's, we're talking about someone just a few years older than our own kids. Maybe uh, maybe we practice a little decorum and don't uh, don't set that line. There's a first time for everything. Let's do it. <laughs> OK, You're, are you setting the line or am I? No, setting no, no, in no, your... no, I'm, no. I'm saying there's a first time for decorum. I'm willing to not set the line here. OK. I'm, all right. I'm, well, I'm willing, well, I'm willing to take this one off the board. OK. I thought you were about to say I'm willing to take this one off air, which, yes, when we're done recording, we'll set a line <laughs> privately. Um, uh, one last quick uh, related note. Uh, my instinct every time is to ignore messages telling me I should change my password. Yes, of course. <laughs> I should probably work on overruling that instinct. But boy, can I not be troubled to update a password on anything. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I'm a little spoiled from like, you know, how credit card companies like, you know, whenever something happens, I just call the credit card company like, yeah, no problem. You know, right. I'm a little spoiled by that, I think. Yeah, that, that that's true. That if uh, the pattern thus far has been if something goes wrong and you do get hacked, it well, gets fixed. You, you get your money back. So, yeah. yeah, you get made whole. That's right. All right, uh, Jeff, before we get into our next news story, uh, I'm curious. Are you a sunglasses guy? You strike me as someone cool enough to try the sunglasses indoors move, or or maybe just hungover enough. Cool enough and hungover enough. All right, well, I'm definitely that hungover, uh, and I'd like to think I'm that cool, but I, in truth, I'm, I'm probably not that, that cool, though. But I'll tell you what, I, I'll, I'll give it a whirl next time I'm, I'm inside at a you know event and see how it goes. Okay. Well, for any of our listeners in the market for sunglasses, uh, specifically suited for the outdoors, although I guess you can wear them inside if you want, you got to check out Shady Rays. They have premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers durable frames and extremely clear optics for your outdoor adventures. And the one thing that I love about these guys is their protection program. You lose your sunglasses, you break your sunglasses, you sit on your sunglasses, you throw your sunglasses out the window. It doesn't matter. They're going to replace them. Whether it's been a day, a year, it doesn't matter. They're going to replace them for you for free. And uh, there's also no risk. You buy them, you don't like them, 30-day money-back guarantee. You can return them, get a new pair, get your money back, whatever you like. Not to mention, uh, you'll feel as good as you look when you shop with Shady Rays, as uh, to date they've donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. It's good to uh, shop with a company like that. For sure. And uh, exclusively for our listeners here, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code ROTOGRINDERS for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. These shades are a five stars by over 200,000 people. Our second story this week is a bit different in that there's almost no news to share here. But we have the tiniest tease of what could potentially turn out to be one of the biggest industry stories of the year. ESPN's David Purdom, a multi-time Gamble On guest, wrote a thorough piece on Monday 
that mostly looked back on the NFL's issues to this point with players and staff engaging in sports betting, sometimes in violation of the league's gambling policy. But Purdom had one sentence tucked in the second paragraph that was not just rehash and looking back. He wrote, quote, in the wake of five players being suspended in April, the NFL is investigating a second wave of potential violations of its gambling policy, multiple sources told ESPN. That's it. That's all we have to go on. Uh, there is a second wave of potential violations being investigated. Not a singular violation like the Calvin Ridley incident, but a wave like what we saw recently with four Lions players and one Commanders player disciplined. For now, we know nothing. So we're left asking questions. Is a major name player involved this time? Did anyone bet in a way that could compromise games this time? Are we just going to learn about yet another ridiculous NFL rule, like players may not bet on NBA games that take place in the same time zone in which they reside, unless they bet while sitting in a Dunkin' Donuts and wearing pajamas, in which case it's permitted? Lots of questions here, some of them serious, some of them not. What's on your mind, Jeff, based on this one sentence that we have from Purdom? Oh, you showed your age there. It's Dunkin', not Dunkin' Donuts anymore. But uh, Oh, really? Donuts isn't even part of the name? No, nah, just Dunkin'. Oh, so, wow. All right, no, but for real. Uh, this one sentence, it's like, you know, you know, it's like, uh, Chekhov's gun kind of thing, right? Like, holy crap. Like, what the hell? Like, we're going to see this, you know, you know, this is coming back at some point. One would think. And as a seasoned veteran of the news business, Eric, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of hoping that Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are like running a betting ring for NFL players (laughs) helmed by like a cigar chopping Aaron Rodgers, you know, for the content that, you know, that would make good content. Um, as a fan and a better I'm hoping it's like the six-string punter on the Tennessee Titans practice squad who bet 20 bucks on a Memphis Showboats USFL game <laughs> while standing on the boundary of the practice field and Duncan. Um, you know, <laughs> all that said, you know, Purdom clearly is, you know, he is plugged in. Right. He's plugged in. Uh, and if there's whispers of a second wave, there is a second wave. And I, I don't know. I think if people are talking about it right now and he's catching wind of it, that I feel like – I. You know, I'd say like the odds seem a little stronger that we're talking about some known quantities as far as like the players are concerned. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, that's just a gut. You know, I have nothing to go with that on. Right. Um, but I'll tell you, I mean, maybe I'll hold off on my best ball drafts for a week or two and see this shake out. You know, I don't want to get I got stuck with some Calvin Ridley shares last year. <laughs> I don't see that to happen again this year. That's an interesting angle that I hadn't thought about that. Uh, yeah, if you're doing you're doing early fantasy drafts, uh, this could this could potentially yeah. impact all that. Uh, I guess that was probably the first thing you thought of. Absolutely. the first thing I thought of. <laughs> um, if there is a whole nother wave of violations here, which uh, it seems there will be. Um, it's it's time to point a finger at the NFL and the teams and say, bad job by you. You failed to educate your players properly on what the rules are, on, on, on what they can and cannot do. You know, one Calvin Ridley incident, that's on him, right? That's an outlier. But then you add five more players earlier this year, and then you add however many more we're about to add. Uh, you know, fool me twice. Shame on, shame on, won't get fooled again, however it goes. Um, but I think that's uh, right. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm sure the league sent everyone a copy of the rules, um, but they needed to do more than that, I guess. There should be a representative of the league coming to each team's facility at the start of the season and hosting a quick seminar or something, because clearly some of these players don't know what the rules are. I mean, right. you know, I'm sure some of them are just 
being idiots. You know, they know the rules and they don't care and they assume they'll get away with placing a few bets or something. But I'd imagine a lot of them had no idea that betting from a team bus or, or, or whatever on uh, non-NFL games is a violation. I bet a lot of them made the bets thinking it was fine. And, and so I think the league now needs to look at itself and say, we must have come up short on the communication end if this keeps happening. Uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I, I think it would be a lot better if they just like made the rules a lot cleaner. Right. Yes. You know They're, what I mean? Right. I, I mean, the rules I, suck. I, I feel like it's only, the rules are, are ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Um, they're just, they're, they're, they're muddled for no good reason. Like they're allowed to bet on the NBA games, but they're not allowed to bet on NBA games if they're on a team bus. I mean, this is just, right. this is asinine. Or you know? that, or that the players can bet on an NBA game, but, uh, Miles Austin cannot cause he's a oh my God. employee, yeah. but not a player. Yeah. He it's... can't even, he can't even play online roulette because right. that'll get your ban. I mean, this, you know, the, these rules are silly. Yeah. I, the, yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I, I often have to remind myself, I always think back to high school, right? And like picture yourself in your high school hallways, you know, classes are being changed and take a look around. And remember how you thought like so many of the people that you saw were just fucking idiots? Uh-huh. Well, these fucking idiots are now in charge of things. <laughs> yes. Do you think do you think you're the face that comes to mind for a lot of your high I'm school sure. classmates no, when no they question. think of a fucking idiot? No question. No okay. question. You know, <laughs> but like the fact that I mean, should I be in charge of anything? I mean, God, no. You know what right. I mean? But like, right. you know, I, they, they call me a senior analyst around here. Asking this. <laughs> yes, you earned the title. Thank you wear you. it well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I just want to double back to one thing. You mentioned the theoretical ring involving uh, Mahomes and Hurts right. and Josh Allen. Sure. Mahomes' name really stands out. If it turns out anyone on the Chiefs was involved in any of this, you, you have to avoid the Super Bowl result, right? Yeah, or it's his brother. <laughs> it probably is his brother. <laughs> so do we get do we get the the Super Bowl result voided if it turns out it was Patrick Mahomes' brother? Uh, did we win or lose money in our fake bankroll as a result? Oh, I'm not talking about voided from that perspective. Oh. I'm talking about that the Eagles didn't really lose the Super Bowl. Oh, I see. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I think I think it stands. All right. Do you want to set an over-under on when I stop uh, pretending that the Super Bowl result is kind of unofficial and it's unclear who won? 2050. I'm taking the over. <laughs> All right. Let's close out the news section with something fun here. Let's talk about... Sunday's upcoming series finale of Succession. And since we're a gambling industry podcast, we can go over some of the hypothetical odds included in your article that published today on U.S. Bets, Jeff. And we can talk again about the New York Times writing about unregulated succession betting. But mostly we'll just talk about the finale and our feelings on the final season. And we'll tell each other to fuck off a few times. Uh, So spoiler warning here. If you're not caught up on Succession, but you intend to watch at some point, Skip ahead a few minutes until you hear the bumper music that leads into the interview segment. For everyone who has stuck around, uh, Jeff, I've got uh, Waystar Gojo ending up in the hands of Brand Stark at 10 to 1 with a little sprinkle on Richard Splett at 25 to 1, plus a long shot bet on the guy in the members only jacket at 100 to 1. Decent value plays? Those are those are absolutely terrible bets. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't recommend any of those. And I, you know, I'm willing, I like a good long shot, but. Mm-hmm. It would be that that would be a stretch, I think, for Jesse Armstrong to introduce a guy in members only jacket in the last episode. Though, who knows? You know, we could we'll, we'll leave it open. Ten thousand to one. Do you do you consider that one? Not for a buck. Okay. No, but I don't know. I I I heading into the you know I mean it's called succession. We've been waiting to see who's going to be in charge of the whole thing. I I really think I, I I do think it's down to two people. I think it's down to 
And, and as I say in the in, in the in the article that I wrote, it's like, are we looking? Are we? Is this a comedy or a tragedy? Right, right. If it's a tragedy, Kendall Roy assumes full control of this operation and loses everything in the process. If it's a comedy, like I predicted two years ago, Mike Seely, <laughs> who thinks it was his idea, right? Uh, but Mike, or you know, our 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 colleague Mike Seely also, you know, he's definitely been beating this drum that mm-hmm. Greg, cousin Greg, somehow ends up. Uh, in the CEO chair, and he's got outs this week to do it as I, as I lay out. He's got outs because, you know, he he danced with an old man and drank drinks that shouldn't, shouldn't that aren't normally <laughs> that drinks, drinks, right? That yeah. drinks, and so he's got like it seems like Lucas Matson likes him. His you know his uh you and the grandfather made a return last week to do a eulogy, and we got a big board meeting coming up. He's on the board. Mm-hmm. He could be a deciding vote. So Greg has outs, and they would be you know. It would. It feels like within the, the the confines of the show that like it would be really saying something if the if the moron basically the the striving moron got the top job right right. But I don't know. I, I'm not. I. It's fun to consider. Maybe there might be a head fake in that direction. But it, if if I was betting for real, I, I'm betting on Kendall Roy assuming full control and like. Michael Corleone-esque burning everything behind him. Right. Yeah, that that seems the the chalk pick right now. Um, yeah. It, 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 it's all about, uh, you know, can you guess to what extent they're trying to misdirect and to what extent they're playing it straight? And and then the big question that you asked that you just brought up is, you know, does, does Jesse Armstrong view his show as a Shakespearean tragedy or does he view it as a Shakespearean comedy? Because if it's the latter, then Greg makes all the sense in the world. Like, Veep was purely satire and comedy, even if it unintentionally predicted many of the horrors of our reality. Uh, yeah. But but it knew for sure that it was a comedy, and so it made sense to do a ridiculous ending and make a, a lovable nincompoop the president. Um, but, uh, and I, I said this in, in Slack, you know, the show has now left a lot of Greg breadcrumbs, and thus it won't be all that surprising. It seems like everyone is predicting it, and... That makes me think Armstrong has been intentionally throwing us off track, and it won't be Greg. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I've turned into uh, Vizzini with the Iocane powder and all that, uh, thinking, thinking, right. it, <laughs> overthinking it, basically. I don't really have a prediction for who it is, um, in the sense that I don't, with this show, I, I kind of don't care. Like, this isn't right. that, no, is, right. this isn't exactly. that kind of show to me. I've, I've right. never felt compelled much to guess what's coming. To me, it's been a case of sit back, trust the writers and enjoy the ride. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's really, you know, that, that, you know, that kind of makes or breaks the finale here. Like, do I, I, I want to walk away from it satisfied, I guess, you know, I don't need to be shocked. I don't, you know, I, I don't need to, you know, be dazzled. I, 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 I want to be satisfied really. And, and a lot of other shows, I, I want that shock. I want that dazzle. I, I want to see how they're going to wrap everything up. I don't need everything wrapped up. I don't need a tiny little bow. I, I just want to be satisfied. I, I want it to ring true. I want to, you know, I, I want this to, and I, and again, the, the way it rings most true and it's, and, and they started doing this last week, you know, Ken, Kendall, basically his wife and kids are left the city. So, and you know, he's, you know, obviously never sees his kids anyway. Jess, his like trusted advisor, you know, is leaving. Yeah. He like basically, I mean, you know, he's he's been ready to throw his siblings, you know, into the East River from day one. <laughs> right. You know, then he brings Colin back in, you know, and like he kind of taps Hugo, seemingly almost to be like his de facto, you know, Frank Carl type guy, like right. going forward, you know, for yeah. the next thirty years. So I I don't know. I mean, the, the breadcrumbs are there for that also. 
I, I, again, I, that's to me, that's the more satisfying ending. Seeing Kendall get what he thinks he wants, but he doesn't really want it. And, I, and at the same time, I'd like to see, I'd love to see Shiv, who, like I say, my you know report there, like you know, she maybe kind of has like a glimmer of hope about her, like that she mm, might yeah. get out of this. You know, I don't know. I, I, but, I, I think you're reaching with uh, attaching any positivity to her character, but uh, I guess I you're you're, she, you're hopeful for the unborn baby, maybe. Yeah, maybe you know, softens you a little bit. And you remember when when we met Shiv. You know, she wasn't right. this striver in the business. She was, you know, working for like, you know, far left, you know, presidential candidate. So right. I mean, who I, I don't know who knows. <laughs> the, uh, mentioning Colin, that the that brings up the one. I think you set one soft line in uh, in your piece uh, of uh, will the dead waiter enter yeah, the chat yeah, yeah. at plus five hundred. I, like, I gotta I say yes. That to me, that's more like even money. That too many people know. They keep teasing it. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if we got through the finale without someone using it or, or threatening to use it or something. I, I know I know you said you don't need everything all tidy and all, and all wrapped up, and I and I don't I would agree with that. Like I don't need that to happen, but I do think it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, uh, who knows? I mean, there's there's no there's no telling what's going to happen. It's been I think the season has been just tremendous. I mean, I, every episode I feel like is almost kind of outdoing the one before it. Uh, you know, this is this is Jesse Armstrong's vision, and we're seeing it come to fruition. And so I, I am ready to buckle up on Memorial Night Sunday night and to watch it once, possibly twice. And then I'm so happy that we have off Monday, so I don't even have to feel guilty <laughs> right. about pretending to work while I watch Succession for a third time at like nine o'clock in the morning. I'm I'm quite confident that you will indeed have seen it like five times by the time <laughs> I talk to you next. Um. But so so where I just uh, you had uh, mentioned, I guess, when the season was or early in the season, I guess, sort of the uh, this is clearly cracking your route, Mount Rushmore. Uh, it is is all time favorite show in your sights here. If if, the, if if you're happy with the finale. Uh, I don't know about all time. Number one favorite show. But I mean, okay. for sure, for sure, like top with. Top ten, no brainer. No, no matter what happens Sunday, I, I would agree with that. I, I think it's yeah. I'm 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 a no matter how even if they totally blow the ending, it's like bottom of my top ten area. I yeah, think. and then like that, you know, clearly like Mount Rushmore esque on you know. I mean, it's you know, I think we went over this a few podcasts ago, but I, I don't know. I, I, I let, let's let the dust settle. For okay, a year or two, okay, that, then, that, that's we'll fair. Revisit. I won't. I won't make you rank it all time before we've seen the finale. Never mind, even maybe in the immediate aftermath of the finale is probably too soon to decide. So, uh, yeah, yeah. all right, all right, we'll 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 come back to it at some point, perhaps. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. We are just days away from Memorial Day weekend, which means we are just days away from the Indy 500. So what better time to welcome to the podcast, Roto Grinders, head of motorsports, the host of the Morning Grind podcast. You know him as Stevie TPFL. Stephen Young, welcome to Gamble On. Eric and Jeff, uh, thanks for having me. Yes, it's a, I don't even know if we call it like the Indy 500 weekend anymore because like so many people have become obsessed with F1 because of the Netflix show that it's like, they just call it the best like motorsport weekend of the year because of the three races. Mm. Okay. Well, I feel even better then that we definitely picked the right week to have you on. <laughs> yeah, good week. A uh, lot of lot of motorsports, that's for sure. 
Okay. Well, there's been been a pretty strong drumbeat that that NASCAR and auto racing in general is the next big thing in sports betting. I'm, I'm wondering, do you, do you agree with that? And, and what are some things that you think the sport or the industry needs to do to, to get people more involved? I mean, they're doing it. Um, yes, I think it's going to be the next biggest sport you can, you know, get people involved in betting because honestly, there's just so much you could bet on. You could bet on stage one, you could bet on stage two, you can live bet who you think is going to win the race. You can, I mean, at some point we might even see like live betting, like pit stops. Is this pit stop going to be under 12 seconds? So like mm. from the start of the race to the end of the race, there's potential for the race to be bet on. And anytime you have that type of action in a three hour window, yeah, people are going to be involved in wanting to bet it. So I think the sport is embracing it. We've seen them embrace it. I think a little bit more than like IndyCar and F1. And I mean, they're just, they're continuing to work with like partners on, you know, making it where they're making sure the drivers are doing what they're supposed to be doing on not like giving advice or anything like that. But they're also making sure that like there's just so much going on. So um, I think, yes, uh, to answer your question, yes. Do I think it's the next big thing in sports betting? Yes, because one, there's a ton of variance. So the books are going to enjoy that kind of variance. And two, I mean, the sweat is unreal. I mean, if you are sweating a race and you're, you could be winning 99% of the time and that last lap, something happens and you lose. So I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me over the last 10 years. Do you, do you at least have some of the reverse? The uh, it's, it's going horribly for you. Your guy is stuck in fourth place. And then the last lap, everything breaks your way. Uh, is there a good beat story to go with all the bad beat stories? The first time I ever had a six-figure win, I was a rain-shortened race, and I definitely wouldn't have hit for over a hundred grand had the race restarted. So I guess like I can't ever like argue or get mad about like the back end. And honestly, I've just embraced it. I've just embraced the variance of motorsports in general. And you know, there's weeks where you're just like, what the heck? And then there's weeks like, man, I just absolutely nailed this race, and we move on to the next one. You know, this week obviously is the Indy 500. Um, it, you know, and I, you know, I'm an outsider to all this, but it seems like there's not as much um, appeal to the IndyCar circuit compared to NASCAR. I feel like NASCAR, like, is on, you know, it's on the common fan sports radar. Um, are, are, do you have any thoughts as to why NASCAR has like kind of leapt over the IndyCar scene? And uh, as a result of that, do you see any betting edges in the Indy series? Uh, betting the Indy 500, in my opinion, is tough because it's one of the races that anyone can win. Um, because of how much pitch strategy and, you know, just how a caution could just absolutely change the whole race. I mean, if we look back to even last year's race, like Erickson was fast last year. Um, but I mean, he wasn't like race winning speed type of fast. So, um, it, it just IndyCar, there's been some guys and teams really that have just done so well over the years that, I mean, they've gotten the strategy of the Indy 500, right. And, I mean, it's down to a science when to pit and when not to pit. But um, I think going back to the conversation we just had of like how NASCAR really has embraced it, where, I mean, if you go on like, just for instance, you go on the IndyCar website, it's so hard to find anything about like sports betting. NASCAR has a whole like action network, like NASCAR page um, for sports betting on their thing. So they've just, I feel like why they haven't caught on as much um for IndyCar F1 is just NASCAR has embraced it faster. I, I don't want to say that IndyCar is not going to, but I think they've just embraced it faster. So uh, let's say, Steve, that, that I'm a guy who has never bet on auto racing before and rarely watches racing. Let's say that 
because it's true. Um, how could I approach betting on the Indy 500 in a way that's going to make it fun for me and get me engaged and make me want to watch the whole race? I'm not necessarily looking for like handicapping and picks and who should I bet, but just what sort of markets should I be looking at that are going to make this a fun experience for me? I think just outright betting would probably be the best like sweat for you. Um, if you're like a new person, it like, I think that goes for not just like F1, not as much. I think F1 is like one of the most predictable forms of motorsports that we have for like, who's going to win each week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's typically why in a, in a 20 car field, the favorite is like a minus minus one eighty. where in NASCAR, you don't necessarily see somebody get, you know, better than like three to one. So, um, I think just outright betting and NASCAR and IndyCar is like, if you're a new better, it's just fun. That's the sweat. Um, there's a lot that you can bet from the race winner has started inside the top five in five of the last six, uh, Indy 500. So looking at trends like that, that actually makes sense when it comes to strategy and, you know, there's a ways that you could do it. Uh, but trying to find that underdog and betting the underdog is always fun, but the Indy Indy 500 for me is one that I'm like, if you're a new better, Pump the brakes a little bit. Um, don't get into, hey, I'm going to bet this guy for 10 units because everybody's talking about him kind of thing. So, And then for NASCAR, like a new better for NASCAR, I mean, they have top 10 markets where we typically get really good odds on one or two drivers that is just mispriced early in the week that you can kind of get on. So, um, yeah, I mean, just outright betting, I think, gives you the be- best sweat, best bang for your buck. Um, you know, you don't feel like too invested in in the sport and you can really kind of sweat the whole thing unless your guy wrecks really early so so maybe outright betting but where i pick two or three different yeah. mid mid-range shots to out to to bet on so that i'm up my chances of having one of them in the hunt at the end yeah there's always like especially like with nascar for instance i know nascar betting way more than i know indie betting um mm-hmm. so for NASCAR, there's typically like one or two drivers um, that would be in that like eight, eight to one, 10 to one range. So you could bet a couple of those guys and return like four or five units if you win instead of like betting one guy to win the F1 race at like minus 180. And if he loses, you're just not making any units back. So um, I, right. I think betting outright gives you a little bit more wide range. And then I think it depends on the track too. Like when you're in a Daytona or a Talladega type of racetrack, a guy from 25th can win and that gets the odds a lot of, a lot higher and you can have a lot of fun with that too. Okay. All right. Let's talk, let's talk, give back your bread and butter here. The, the back to NASCAR Coca-Cola 600 this week. Uh, you've been running hot so far this year, uh, especially in DFS. I, my own bankroll proves it. Cause I just basically tail what you're doing uh, <laughs> as best I can. Um, let's give some free, little free picks, a little free advice. Who do you like this week? Um, Hendrick and JGR, the, the Toyotas and the, the Hendrick Chevys have been really strong on 1.5s to start the year. We saw really the Hendrick cars really fast early on in the year at Vegas. And then Kansas was about a month and a half later. And we saw the JGR Toyotas really kind of catch up in speed. The Fords are really struggling right now just to find speed on this type of racetrack. So I'm kind of off the Fords in general. So uh, a Kyle Larson, a William Byron, a Denny Hamlin, uh, Martin Trix Jr., Christopher Bell type plays, um, I, I think are the ones you're looking at here early in the week. I'm in. That's it. I'm done. Uh, you know, one last thing before we let you go. You're also the host of the morning grind for Roto Grinders, where, you know, five days a week, you know, Monday through Friday, you wake up and, and the day's DFS is out there for you, whether it be during the baseball season, basketball season, as well as the NFL season. Um so that's really, you know, that's a 365, you know, 52 week job, you know, and despite myself being a daily player of all these sports, 
Uh, you know, I don't think I've missed a day since I started doing this stuff. The idea of having to put the show together every day, especially at the end of the day, seems a little grindy, you know, to, to you know, in the morning grind parlance. Uh, I'm just curious, what is your process of, of doing that show every day? I mean, and if you ever get tired of it, just let me know. I'll, you know, I'll fill in once in a while for you. I'm doing the research anyway. <laughs> I think we nailed the name of it when we um, came up with it and we came up with it in 2016. I've been doing it, um, you know, five days a week since 2016. We're well over 1500 episodes. Um, I mean, I think it's just second nature now. Like yeah. I, I don't really know how to get into it. I mean, I spend about an hour looking at the slate before the podcast and I, you know, write some stuff down and then it all just comes naturally. I know I have my links. I have my tabs on, you know, played IQ and stuff like that on rotor grinders. Well, I just kind of know what I'm looking at, especially with baseball. Baseball, it flows really well. I know baseball um, like the back of my hand. So just knowing what to look at, um, it makes the show flow really good. So basketball is probably the hardest and the biggest grind because, I mean, you get the injury injury news throughout the day and it changes stuff. So like basketball is like a legit first look podcast um, where yeah. baseball I mean, I built a lineup yesterday, not, and I didn't change it. So, and yeah. you know, it ended up finishing, you know, top half of the tournament. So, um, it's just honestly, it's a grind. Yes, uh, the <laughs> schedule. Um, the one thing that I'll say is I have an all-star wife, man. Um, she's great, and I, you know, that gets lost in the shuffle from time to time when it comes to this job. But um, she supports me, and we have just kind of worked out a schedule, and it just works, and then um i mean seven plus years now and yeah it's a grind but it's fun and i enjoy um i enjoy you get those messages from time to time like hey you helped me win 100 grand and you changed my life and like those are just the messages that fuel you to keep going and you know it it just never gets old excellent man yeah i mean I, i'm a i'm a daily listener i wake up with them i've i have a nice wife too she doesn't yell at me too much in the morning to take my earbuds out so it works out it works out fine Steven, yeah. thanks so much for having for for jumping on for having us for you for jumping on. I, I'm I'm his guest now. I'm on the couch. <laughs> thanks for doing this, Stephen. Great talking to you. Uh, no problem. Have a good one, guys. Two men, two men, ten thousand dollars. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. Let's update our betting bankroll, and it was another not great week, uh, but we do have one lingering bet that maybe will begin to reverse our fortunes. We'll see. Uh, first, though, uh, the bets that are graded. Several weeks ago, I threw 25 bucks on LeBron for finals MVP at 27 to 1. That's dead. Uh, last week, uh, I thought about betting on a Jokic triple-double in Game 2 to win 100 bucks, and it would have won. He went 23, 17, and 12. Instead, I did points betting on points times rebounds times assists over 48.39 at 25 cents a point. He was cruising toward a big over through three quarters and then put up almost no stats in the fourth. And we end up at 46.92, slightly under. We lost $37. Uh, Jeff, you made four ladder bets on Yuri Perez and his strikeouts last Thursday afternoon. Over four and a half hit, over five and a half hit. Over six and a half didn't hit, and over seven and a half didn't hit. He was doing great, but they pulled him after just 78 pitches in five innings. Uh, still, we won $81 on that. My boxing bet was a loser. I was sure Katie Taylor wouldn't lose a close decision in Dublin, but she lost a close decision in Dublin. We dropped $110 on that. And lastly, we've fallen to 0 for 2 on triple crown betting. We took a shot on Chase the Chaos at 50 to 1. 
The horse finished fifth in the Preakness. Oh, well, uh, cost us $50. We do have assorted futures bets out there. Uh, Spencer Strider for Cy Young at 10 to 1 is promising. You have that one. Uh, Marlins under 76 and a half wins continues to be a good sweat. They, of course, set an MLB record by winning their first 12 one-run games. Just a ridiculous streak of luck to give them a 500 record, uh, despite the second worst run differential in the NL. Really hoping variance bends our way on that one. Um, but the most intriguing and immediate one for now was the $50 bet at 10 to 1 last week on the Heat to beat the Celtics in six. We need Boston to win tonight and Miami to then close it out at home to win $500. And uh, I'll have more to say about that in just a sec. Uh, but for now, we lost $141 last week. We're now down by $2,992. We also have 1125 on hold in futures bets, and that leaves us with 5883 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first, uh, so here goes Celtics Heat Game Five tonight in Boston. The Celtics are favored by eight or eight and a half, depending on the book. I think that overestimates the Celtics, as the lines generally have this whole series, uh, but we do, for bankroll purposes, need Boston to win tonight. So uh, we have us a quasi hedge opportunity where. We can also middle and and win it all, in addition to kind of hedging, at Caesars. Heat plus 8.5 has a nice minus 105 price. I like that bet on its own. I think it's the right side of this game. If the Heat win the game, well, we lose the Heat in 6 bet, but we win this one. If the Celtics win this game by a lot, we lose this bet, but we're about 50-50 to score the the 10-to-1 win in game 6. And if the Celtics win by 8 or less... We win this bet, and we're 50-50 to win the other one. So $105 to win 100, Heat plus 8.5 tonight. I like it. Good one. I like it. This like this it. series is very interesting. I mean, you see the like the it's Celtics are only like plus two twenty or something yeah, to win the whole crazy. series. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm I got another bet for tonight. Also, let's go Derek White over twelve and a half points. Uh, he started the last two games. I would expect that he's going to start tonight. Mm-hmm. He's gotten off nine and ten shots the last two games. It's been working-ish, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Twelve and a half points for Derek White. If he's going to get the minutes, why not? Uh, let's go hundred bucks, even odds. Okay. So I'm doing another NBA bet. Um, I am jumping now on Nikola Jokic for Finals MVP. The best price I'm seeing is minus one seventy at points bet. I'm fairly confident the Nuggets are winning this thing, whether against an increasingly banged up Heat team or against a sloppy Celtics team that would be coming off a miraculous but exhausting 0-3 comeback win if they get there. Denver is the better team, clearly, in either matchup, and they've been unbeatable at home all postseason. And yeah, Jamal Murray is capable of occasional huge games, but if the Nuggets win the title, I'd say it's at least about 90% certain Jokic is the MVP because whatever else happens, he's going to get his numbers. He's averaging 30, 13 and 10 this postseason. Even if those numbers come down a little in the finals, let's say he goes 26, 12 and nine. He's going to be the MVP if the Nuggets win, even if Murray averages 30 points or something. And the handful of reporters who will be voting on the MVP are feeling guilt over denying Jokic the MVP award for the season. I mean, it is a regular season award. I think it was correct to give it to Embiid, but the narrative all postseason has been, we screwed up. Jokic is the best player in the world right now. So they're going to give him finals MVP if it's a close call. So $170 to win 100. Jokic for NBA finals MVP. I like that better than just betting on the Nuggets to win the title at minus 210. All right. Very nice. Uh, I, I was one for one with this one a few weeks ago, so I'm going to bring it back. It's a Roto-Grinders Weather Edge special. Okay. Uh, over nine and a half in today's Padres-Nationals game. 
uh, again, based on the historical data, runs get scored, home runs get hit in the weather today down in D.C. Uh, Blake Snell is capable of blowing up at any time. The Nationals are pitching somebody, supposedly. Uh, <laughs> so with those two things, plus the weather, I'll take the over nine and a half at 100 bucks. Again, even odds. Yeah, even money again. Okay. What? Who are you and what have you done with Jeff Edelstein? So far, we have two simple one leg yeah. even money bets what's going on I i'm i'm nervous about the the one that awaits no don't be it's pretty normal okay normal-ish okay yeah. uh we'll uh, leave that tease to linger for a second while i go through my uh, final bets here on boxing even though my boxing bets haven't been great lately i, I keep landing on the wrong side of closer debatable decisions I'm going to keep trying. Uh, I have two here this Saturday, uh, again in Ireland. Uh, this time, I'll bet against the local fighter. Uh, I think Luis Alberto Lopez should be a slight favorite over Michael Conlon in what should be an outstanding fight, but he's a slight underdog. He's plus 105 at Fox Bet, so pretty straightforward stuff. If I think a guy is about 55% likely to win and I can get plus 105 on him, got to bet it every time. So uh, $100 to win 105 there. And then... The mega fight for the pound-for-pound throne. Uh, Welterweight Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence. The best fight in terms of the quality of the two competitors that really can be made in the entire sport. And the rumors are that it's almost ready to be officially announced for July 29th in Vegas. And FanDuel still has it dead even, minus 112 each way. And I've felt all along that Crawford's the better fighter and should be the small favorite. So uh, let's put out a little bet on it now. Uh, This is in the two-way market. We get our money back if it's a draw. 112 to win 100 on Terrence Bud Crawford, and of course, voided if the fight doesn't end up getting officially signed. But uh, all indications are that it's on. Uh, Terrence Crawford is even selling t-shirts for it on his website. Uh, Really ugly t-shirts, which is a discussion for another time. But uh, there you go, 112 to win 100 on Terrence Crawford. All right, last up for me, home run call. Nolan Arenado today in Cincinnati, going up against Luke Weaver, plus 370 at DraftKings. I don't think Arenado should never be even that high to begin with, especially not against Luke Weaver, especially not in Cincinnati. Hundred bucks to win to take home four seventy. All right. Yeah, you're right. Pretty straightforward. I mean, it's a, straightforward. It, it was a decent plus money, which is a little more in keeping with the uh, with the Jeff mo. But yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, not a single parlay this week. Just wait. I'm waiting for the NFL season. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm really thinking. Of, you know, I always do that NFL column. I'm thinking of introducing like a second NFL column, just titling it the. You know, here's five stupid parlays I like. <laughs> well, who wouldn't want to read that? Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Basically, here's a column you can read every week and uh, promptly promptly ignore because even the yeah. guy writing it thinks that, that what he's Terrible telling bet. you is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, all these big parlay bets are stupid bets, but they're fun. They are fun. Right. And okay. So can we call it here are five fun parlays this week instead of advertising it as stupid? Sure. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll work on it. We'll workshop it. Because seriously, though, you know, there's all this talk, you know, a lot of like big names in the industry. Like, oh, the parlays, parlays, parlays. Listen, man, for the average, like, you know, Joe Schmo better like myself, it's a lot more fun to bet five dollars, you know, on some stupid parlay, you know, hoping to win 100, 200 bucks than it is to bet 100 bucks on Derek White scoring 12 and a half points. You know what right. I'm saying? Yep. That's it. All right. Do you, I mean, we still while we still have the chance here, do you want to take uh, Derek White over 12 and a half points, over nine and a half in Padres Nats and an Arenado Homer and parlay them all together? I mean, let's just throw 10 bucks on it. <laughs> we'll we'll, pr- we'll it. price it out we'll afterwards. Out. Yeah, yeah, OK. Yeah. All right. I'm adding adding that to the list. 
<laughs> All right. Good. I'm glad I'm glad we were able to make this uh, episode a little more fun and a little more stupid at the last second there. <laughs> and that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to this week's guest, Stevie Young. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to USBets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff. Please take us out. Yeah, I'm fucking old, Eric. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue uh, this year, they had four different covers. One had Megan Fox. Okay. Another mm-hmm. had uh, Brooks Nader as a model. Okay, great. Another had Kim Petras, I think if I'm pronouncing her name right, who's transgendered. And that mm-hmm. pissed some people off. But, you know, whatever. I don't care. She's the one who did that unholy song with Sam Smith. Oh, you could not go over the feather for me to find out that she was born or male. Well, whatever. Who cares? I don't care. It's the right. last cover model, Martha Stewart. That's the one that threw me for a loop. I mean, Eric, she's 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 eighty one. She's eighty one years old. That mm-hmm. that's too old to be a Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover girl. We need a twenty year old model on the cover like they always used to do. Remember Polina Poroskova, that nineteen eighty five edition? Eric, it's it's burned into my brain. I'm not even <laughs> kidding you. But then, Eric, this is where things go off the rails because I started doing some math. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I am as close in age to Martha Stewart <laughs> as I am to a garden variety twenty year old model. That is fucked up, okay? Yeah, yeah. Then, I, then I took it one step further, slash, much, much worse. My son is 14 years old, meaning that there are women out there right now who are 33 years old. These are women with jobs, marriages, kids, full-blown, 100% freaking adults who are closer in age to my son than they are to me. I am now going to go scream gamble on into a pillow. <laughs> <laughs>